Pray with me, please. Be with us this morning, God. Quiet our hearts. May our spirits be still, that we might hear from you. Amen. For three years he traveled throughout Galilee, proclaiming that the long-awaited kingdom of God was at hand. That the day had come when God's purposes would reign on earth as in heaven. And when all of those empires that had long oppressed Israel would finally be subdued. And he had not looked like they'd expected he would look. He was not, after all, an imposing figure. And he had not taught the way they had expected he would teach. He did, after all, tell them to turn the other cheek rather than take an eye for an eye. And he had not acted the way they expected he would act. He had not, after all, plotted a violent overthrow of the Roman government. But nonetheless, this strange but compelling figure had eventually convinced a sizable band of Jews that he was indeed their Messiah. And so all around Galilee, this band had followed him, watching him perform miracles that defied belief, witnessing him as he challenged the authorities who'd for so long oppressed Judea's people. The man is remarkable, they'd come to believe. And what's more, each time the authorities had tried to silence him, each time they tried to put an end to his antics, each time he'd always managed to escape. He'd ducked the stones they'd thrown at him in Jerusalem. He'd slipped away before they could throw him off that mountain in Nazareth. He'd gotten out of Cana and Capernaum and all those other fishing villages just before they could beat him away with sticks. And so they'd just come to expect that this was his way. Which is to say they'd come to expect that his way of justice and mercy and that his way of peace and righteousness and that his way of confrontation without violence, somewhere along the way they'd, they'd just come to believe that this was the way that he would bring about the kingdom. After all, it had been working. His movement had been growing. And so slowly they'd come to the point that they had begun to say of him, surely this man is the Son of God. And so it was this past Sunday that they'd followed him into Jerusalem. He upon a donkey, they trailing close behind. And oh, how they'd marveled at the way word had spread about their leader. For here were all these people, all these strangers, screaming hosannas for him, calling him the blessed one, and screaming out that he was the Son of God. And here's the thing we have to understand. These followers in this moment, they knew, oh, they knew how politically loaded this term was. In this moment, they knew full well what the punishment was for anyone who referred to someone other than Augustus Caesar as the Son of God. But just then, on that day, they, they hadn't much cared about that. 
Because they'd come to expect that this man Jesus would find a way to confound even Caesar himself. He confounded everyone else, they'd reason. So here now, this week, now he would confound even Caesar too. Well, that was that day. That was Sunday. And today is Friday. And now all of those followers are scattered abroad, each of them having fled last night when the Roman authorities seized upon Jesus and took him away. All of them. Oh, for a brief moment, Peter had tried to stand strong. For a brief moment, Peter had tried to stand up for his friend. But by the time Jesus was being carted away, each of them, even Peter, had fled for fear of what the authorities might do to them as well. They'd all fled. And here's why they fled. They fled because they knew where this was headed. They fled because they knew what was about to happen to Jesus. They fled because they knew that their hopes were now dashed. They knew that he would now become just like all those other would-be messiahs that had come before him. Just a mere shooting star. Just a flash in the pan. They now knew that Rome would take Jesus to the same place they'd taken all those other would-be messiahs. They now knew that Rome would take Jesus just outside the city gates to a public place where all could see what happens when you trifle with Rome. They all knew that. And so quite naturally, they had not wanted to join him there. And thus, in dejection and in despair, they had all run. Now let's stop here for just a moment. I want us to shift gears for just a moment. And I want us, I want us to now consider these challenging words from the theologian Jürgen Moltmann. Moltmann writes, and I quote, Christians today who do not have the feeling that they too must flee the crucified Christ have probably not yet understood Christianity in a sufficient way. I'll repeat it one more time. Christians today who do not have the feeling that they too must flee the crucified Christ have probably not yet understood Christianity in a sufficient way. Now, what does Moltmann mean by that? What does it mean to say that if we have not felt the need to run from Christ's cross ourselves, that we have not yet understood the essence of Christianity? What, what does that mean? It means this. It means that as much as we'd like to make Christianity about securing power for ourselves, or about assuaging our own existential fears about the future, or about underwriting our own opinions about how the world should operate. It means that instead of all of that, Christianity at its core is about the cross. And not just about the cross itself, but about, and follow me here, about the way of being that led Christ to the cross. Because the simple fact is this. 
that while, yes, Jesus' sacrifice is the central act that secured our salvation, undoubtedly, and that while, yes, Jesus' death is the cause of the forgiveness of our sins, hallelujah, amen, Notwithstanding all of that, it also means that the reason Jesus died in the first place is because he stood for justice when it was unpopular. And because he practiced righteousness even when he knew it would cost him. And because he spoke truth when he knew no one wanted to hear it. And because he challenged the various systems of the world when those systems are the very things that provide comfort and security to the most powerful among us. And so what Moltmann is trying to point out to us is that until we feel the discomfort of knowing what our own stand for righteousness is going to cost us, that until we know deep in our bones what speaking the truth will mean for us and for our families and for our lives, that until we know that, that until we wrestle with the desire to run away lest we be ruined in the same way that Jesus himself was ruined, that until that moment, Moltmann is saying, that until then we haven't sufficiently understood the full scope, the full meaning of what Christianity is all about. And so now consider then this. When we left off in the text, all of Jesus' disciples had now fled. Each of them, in line with Moltmann, each of them had run away for fear of being implicated in Jesus' ostracism. Look no further than Peter himself, the disciple who professed loving Jesus more than anyone. Watch him now as he stands here by a fire, responding to the repeated inquiries of the group gathered there by saying, Listen, I do not know this man of whom you speak. That was Peter. Yes, when the authorities came for Jesus, all of Jesus' followers knew what that meant. They knew it meant that Jesus had lost and that Rome had won yet again. And thus they'd all run. Thus they'd all left him high and dry. And so here now he hangs on a cross. Here now he hangs publicly humiliated for all to see. And here now he hangs with none of his faithful followers there to suffer the agony with him. Except. Except for these three. Listen here now to John's words and I quote. Meanwhile, standing near the cross were his mother, his mother's sister, and Mary Magdalene. Hear those words again, meanwhile standing near the cross. On this Friday, this Friday, some 2,000 years removed from that Friday, on this Friday, there are perhaps no more words important for us to hear than meanwhile standing near the cross. And here's what I mean by that. We've heard the Passion and the Easter story so many times before that it's easy for us to forget one very crucial fact. 
It's easy for us to forget that these three women who bravely stood beside his cross on Friday had no idea that he'd rise from his grave on Sunday. We forget that these three women had no reason to think that there could ever be beauty born from the tragedy they were witnessing. We forget that these three women had no reason to think that the way of justice and peace and goodness and mercy and righteousness that their leader had espoused might ever be vindicated now that he hung here on a cross. And yet, and here's the point, and yet here they still are, standing here beside him, bravely accepting whatever similar fate might come their way on their account for it. And here's why I say this is so relevant for us today. Because we as Christians living on this side of the grave and living on this side of God's coming kingdom, we as Christians stand somewhere always between Friday and Sunday. Like these women who stood by that cross that day, neither do we on this day have the luxury of knowing how or in what way, or even if our own righteous actions will ever be vindicated. We, like they, have no way of knowing how, or in what way, or even if the injustices we oppose, or the truths we espouse, ever really will be vindicated. Which means that we, on this day, like those other followers on that day, have every reason to sit silently by, when we see injustices taking place. It means that we, like those other disciples, have every reason to stand passively by while the poor continue to be exploited and while the marginalized continue to be scapegoated and while the prideful continue to pat themselves on the back and while the powerful continue to exploit the earth. It means that because we ourselves have no idea when or whether Sunday is even coming. It means that we, therefore, like them, have every reason to run from the cross ourselves. Which brings us back to Moltmann's point. Moltmann's point is that unless we have seriously considered running from the cross... That unless we have sweat drops of blood over the thought of not running from the cross. Moltmann's point is that until then, we have not fully reckoned with what it means to follow Jesus. Dear friends, today is Friday. And on this Friday, Jesus our Lord hangs upon a cross. And as he hangs there, the message sent to the world is very clear. Jesus is not the Son of God. Augustus Caesar is. And so on this Friday, we can, like those other disciples, pledge our allegiance to Caesar through our own flight from the cross. Or we can, like those three women, pledge our allegiance to Jesus by standing there next to it. Choose we this day whose disciple we will be.
Choose we this day whether to run from the blood-stained cross of Christ or whether to stand there bravely beside it. Amen.